0: Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. I'm your host Jim Grant. This is being recorded on Saturday the 12th of June 2021, a day later than I usually would. Apologies people, it couldn't be helped. Coming up on today's show, the theme of today's show is things that make you go hmm, things that make you go hmm, things that make you go hmm, hmm, hmm. So we're going to be looking at all the planning that went on just before Covid seemed to come out and the fact that Facebook has had to do an embarrassing flip-flop because it completely censored the wrong thing, i.e. probably the truth, uh, which was what anyone with a brain could see. We're perhaps looking at why they may have censored it as well, and a variety of other topics coming up on today's show. So let's get into our first story here tonight. It's from the Mail Online. Oh, and of course, we'll be doing the uh, listener's corner from the Telegram group as well later on. There's some interesting stuff that the Loyal listeners of this show have sent across to me, so uh, I always like getting new information. There's some good stuff, good community there on Beyond the News. So, this is by Keith Griffith on the 5th of June of this year. How Facebook's independent fact-checkers cited letter secretly organised by Wuhan lab funder Peter Daszak, Daszak to debunk leak theory and punish news outlets that explored it. I mean, that headline in itself, before I read any further, should start to perhaps look at the following questions. You can sue anyone for anything these days, can't you? Fall over in a a supermarket, anything like that, you know, a few grand compensation. So what could you possibly do to a, because there's options here, because there's all kinds of uh, things about treatments like the hydroxychloroquine, the ivermectin, I I may have mispronounced that incorrectly. There's a variety of things here that Facebook censored, that one could argue, if the information was war widespread, it could have saved lives. So for example, in this case, how could um, knowing where it came from have saved lives, if we investigated in it more? Well, perhaps if Facebook hadn't censored it and called everyone looking at the lab, the lab leak theory uh, conspiracy theorist, perhaps we could have looked at the disease and its origins and how it spread a little bit sooner covering up and secrecy does not good science make so if we have if it's all about the science and we're told it is all about the science i think even better science could have saved more lives and given that facebook chose the censor, and i think I'm no expert, legal expert, but there's a difference between being like, we're going to let everyone do what they want. And then when you start to censor people, I think you go into the realms of publishing laws and all things like that and are possibly then liable for what you... If if you say we're not liable for anyone or anything, then fair enough. This was the layman's version of as it was broken down to me. Whereas if you start to say, oh, yes, we only allow things on our platform that we agree with, and if you agree with something that may have may have stopped people getting better quicker, to say the least, then that's a whole legal ground, and we're in new territory because this is the first time we've had social media, and it's the first time that it's censored. Um, well, you know, the first era of censorship, of course, they started a few years ago, and of course, the first times that they began to censor heavily on mass, uh, it turns out they were wrong, as it or may well could be wrong. Well, they were definitely wrong to censor because science is all about looking at every possible bit of data. You don't, for science, go, oh, I only want to look at that bit of data. Oh, that doesn't fit, you know, who's funding me. Or that doesn't fit my thesis. Or that doesn't fit my hypothesis. You don't just ignore it. You take it into account and then you go back to your funder and you go, uh, I know it's not what you wanted, but if you wanted real science, then you've got to take this into account. Or you go back and you go, well, my hypothesis is wrong. I need to draw something up, a new thesis, and put that to the test. That's proper science. So that needs to be put in mind, I think. Article used by Facebook to debunk lab leak theory cited Dasak's Lancet letter, his non-profit Health Alliance, Funneled U.S. grants to Wuhan virology lab. See, now we're getting somewhere, aren't we? The people—it's the same people. It's the people involved in the grants were involved in the censorship. I smell. Well, we—it can't be an inquiry this time. It needs to be trials. These people can't be fired. Oh, you've got—you've been caught lying to massively, massively cause mass mass death. Um, All right, right, you're fired. Naughty boy. Don't come back here again. Clear your desk out and take all those... Because you know that they would have made all these people doing all this stuff. They're not going to be doing it out of the kindness of their heart, are they? Um, I would go and look at all the people involved in this. The censors, this uh, this dancing bloke. I would go and look at the car they drive and the house they live in. And if it's... uh, quite well to do then i would imagine that there's a little bit of money floating around what's happening as well so it can't be firing it needs to be trials and it needs to be peaceful lawful trials let's just hope we have a judicial system that's still um, that these people's money can't infect the way that they've um, infected facebook facebook cracked down on debunked lab leak theory for nearly a year that debunked is in uh, inverted commas published news publishers by sorry punished news publishers by limiting the reach and spread of their articles yeah you see if that has if it turns out that they've done that on potential medical treatments and withheld medical treatments and then certified that they agree with everything that they're doing because they're you know punishing other people that, that that send this sort of stuff or this could be major lawsuits on the horizon Um, and uh, again it it needs to be more than lawsuits Um, yes there needs to be um, compensation involved but we do also need to see um, inquiries apologies they're not enough people involved in this need to go to jail Uh, late last month the social media giant reversed its stance as evidence mounted and of course this is the 5th of june so this is another example of even, people say Facebook, they're a private corporation, they can do what they want. Well, there are many people that say that once you're in the realms of public communications and you turn into a publisher, then you, you effectively become a public town square. Uh, and again, this is all new law, and so there are lawyers that could probably argue that backwards and forwards but what isn't um, I don't think there's any ambiguity on this if you start saying we are going to say we if we're going to start saying we are independent fact checkers and you check the facts wrong and people die as a result of that that's criminal if you can then prove that the person who was in cahoots with them to sense all that information, then, uh, and I quote, his non-profit Eco Health Alliance funneled US grants to Wuhan Virology Lab. You know? Now that is, we're going from negligent crime to, um, what would you, I suppose, what would you call that? Fraudulent crime, deliberately fraudulent crime, uh, which is, in my opinion, a much stiffer sentence, or at least it should be, but Let's have a lesson from this. Facebook's independent fact-checkers, and this isn't the one I covered on Cruise. There was another one, another woman, who was on the independent fact-checkers that was tied to the lab as well. So this is not a one-off. Go and look at my Cruise episodes for this. So let this be a lesson to everyone who says, eh, independent fact-checkers on Facebook who debunk that. Well, the only time they were really put to the test on a key article, they were not just found to be wrong, They were found to be entirely wrong and in cahoots with those who asked for the censorship who directly funded the lab. So anyone that ever believes an independent Facebook fact checker again needs to be sent this article. And this is why it's at the top of the list. And regular listeners will know I've asked them to keep a Word document of the most important Um, links for future reference so they can send it to other people to help wake them up because there's no point saying you know oh it's all a massive conspiracy anything like that people are just going to just switch off if they haven't figured it out by now they're not going to figure it out by themselves and links like this are even if you keep them up your sleeve for when someone goes to you oh no 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 actually no 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 facebook's debunked that you go what these people and you send them this link That's what I would do if I were you. That's what I'm doing. I'm keeping these sorts of articles here. So Facebook's independent fact checkers, and I love the way that they've put that in inverted commas, relied on a letter spearheaded by a major financial backer of the Wuhan Institute of Virology to debunk articles exploring the possibility that the COVID-19 pandemic originated in a leak from the lab. It has emerged. Again, in science, when you're dealing with something new, you don't rule out anything. You investigate everything. If this is as serious as we're told, Leave nothing to chance, silence no one. Put all dissenting voices in there. That's what science is. You put you put your you put everyone involved and you ask them to back up their claims, and you soon find out who's nuts or a liar. The enemy of truth is censorship. For nearly a year Facebook censored articles exploring the lab leak theory, labelling them false information, and punishing news publishers by limiting their reach on the platform before the social media giant sheepishly reversed course last month. Facebook relies on third-party fact-checkers to debunk, again they've put that in false comments, false claims, and in the case of the lab leak theory, a February article from Facebook partner Science Feedback played a key role in the social media site's censorship. The article which purported to debunk a New York Post opinion column questioning, do you remember I mentioned that last week, it was the New York Post, do you remember that? Questioning China's denials of a lab leak scenario prominently cited a letter to The Lancet, a leading medical journal signed by 27 eminent public health experts. It has now emerged that The Lancet letter, which played a key role in suppressing early debate in the pandemic's origin, was not only signed but organised by Peter Dasak, whose group funnelled US taxpayer dollars to the controversial gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yeah. So it wasn't just the Institute of Virology, it wasn't just that they were working on coronaviruses. It wasn't just that they were working on gain of function, which is what we're told this has. It wasn't just that they were working on coronaviruses with gain of function. They were working on coronaviruses with gain of function with bats and other animals mixed in, which is, ah, surprise, surprise, told what we are. But no, of course not. It came from the food market down the road. Of course it did. Of course it did. I've got a bridge to sell you. So, but let this be a lesson now. They're not only wrong, they're tied in with people who have a, a motive for Facebook to be wrong. So for once and for all, Facebook fact checkers, dead in the water, in my opinion. And that article was so important, I decided to uh, sort of read it twice. This is from The Guardian, in case anyone goes, oh, I don't like the mail. Well, here it is from The Guardian for you. Facebook lifts ban on posts claiming COVID-19 was man-made. Social network says policy comes in light of ongoing investigations into the virus. Yes, well it's funny that, because when something new happens you should have an ongoing investigation from the start and not silence anyone. Yes, otherwise if you silence the wrong person you're going to be looking a fool if you decide to say that you're a fact checker. But then, if you censor people, and it turns out you've censored them at the behest of someone who's involved in this whole thing, then you're not only not a fact-checker, but you're not an independent fact-checker, are you? And that's just not one hand lab. There's the woman as well, twice. I covered the other one a year ago on my cruise podcast. So, yeah. There, anyone that... I don't, I'm not listening to anything from the mail. Well, there it is from the Guardian for you, the other side of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, I don't need to read any more than that. you got the idea, haven't you? Um... And this is from the Express. I just thought I'd hammer it home. Friday, May the 28th. Wuhan lab leak theory. Facebook lifts ban on posts claiming COVID-19 is man-made. Yep. Um, Yeah, the social media had originally blocked what it called harmful misinformation about the coronavirus from its platform. Anyway, that's the Express article. So there's three different news articles all saying the same thing for you there. Save them all and send them or pull it. Next time someone says, that's been debunked, send them that, all three of them. And I'm certain that this, uh, did you see Tony Blair calling for um, the segregation of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? doesn't bother me, I don't want to be around vaccinated people until I know that vaccine shedding is is not a real thing. But uh, anyway, I'm certain that Tony Blair is doing this for the public good. Just like he used depleted uranium on the women and children in Iraq to give them birth defects for years to come because he wanted to liberate Iraq. He loved those people so much. Give them those birth defects for the next 25,000 years' half-life. He loves us so much. So, Tony Blair, I'm certain this had nothing to do with it. I've got here a website (laughs) gatesfoundation.org and here I've clicked on the thing committed grants it is of course the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation although that might just be the Melinda Gates Foundation now or maybe she'll operate it under her her maiden name who knows Um, I still don't buy that she was um, uh, oh it's all the Epstein stuff what stuff that he's been doing for like the last 10 years suddenly that, that annoys you now does it yeah all right Uh, and all the money that's been transferred over we've covered that on the show but anyway I've got a little something for you here committed grants this database includes grant commitments made by the Berlin and the Gates Foundation previous foundations of the Gates family that's William H Gates Foundation Gates Library Foundation and Gates Learning Foundation from 1994 onward the system includes grants only not direct charitable contracts, or programme-related investments. (laughs) So there's all of that to come as well. Please note that this database is a dynamic system that undergoes regular updates. We encourage you to reference the Foundation's 990 PFs published on the financials page for the definitive list of all individual grants. So, you know, this might not be everything. Um, Right. Committed grants sought by date ascending. 1 to 10 of 19... For Tony Blair. Grantee. Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. <laughs> just like he changed Iraq. Oh, they were so grateful for that. Abu Ghraib people. Oh, I bet they were just thanking him as they were being beaten in those prisons. Dragged out of their homes. Just all when they see all their infants born with birth defects due to the depleted uranium. <laughs> so grateful. So, uh, so grateful for the global change that he's given them. Anyway... Um, Date December 2020. Committed amount $300,000. Date December 2020. Uh, Again, these are all, by the way, save me reading out, these are all Tony Blair Institute for Global Change unless I say otherwise. So, uh, December 20. Again, $2,995,000. Uh, 076 so uh, just like 3 million November 2020 committed amount two and a half million dollars October 2020 committed amount quarter of a million dollars that's 250,000 September 2020 committed amount 250,000 dollars again September 2020 committed amount 600,000 dollars April 2020 committed amount 200,000 dollars Date, November 2019, committed amount 880,516. So uh, just shy of a million dollars really, give or take. Date, November 2019, 3,472,939. November 2019, committed amount $5 million. Let's show the next nine. May 2019, committed amount $110,000. October 2017, committed amount 399,994,000. So did you notice there that um, big gap there? But lots and lots and lots just after COVID began. So we had 110 in May. So yeah, the next one, October the 2017, is and then we skip forward till May 2019, 110 grand, not a lot. And then as we go back. It really, really ramps up, doesn't it, around the uh, October, November sort of time. One, I wonder what Bill Gates was doing around October, November sort of time of 2019. Well, your questions are going to be answered because uh, I'm going to be telling you in a few articles' time. So October 2017, committed amount 1.8 million and change. Ah, the Tony Blair Africa Governance Initiative. Oh, I bet I bet they absolutely love him after what he uh, did with Gaddafi. Oh, I bet he's really welcome there. Um, just as he was in the Middle East, made the Middle East peace envoy, wasn't he? Very welcome, I'm sure. Committed amount, 291960 October 2014, $700,000. This is all in dollars, by the way. Uh, and again, this is Tony Blair Africa Governance Initiative. Uh, One million straight up on October the twenty fourteen, August twenty thirteen, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Again, this is all to the Africa Governance Initiative. March twenty twelve, half a million dollars. Africa Governance Initiative. June 2008, two thousand and eight, two point four million and change. Um, so yeah, there you go. Just remember that um, you know that is a lot. I haven't I totaled it up, but that is a fair few million that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have. Have funneled over to Tony Blair's foundations. I'm sure, I'm sure they're all doing wonderful things for humanity with that money. So, in case anyone sort of um, just take a little um, trip down memory lane here, this is a recent article. This is only a couple of days old. It was from this Thursday, Thursday the tenth of June, 2021. It's from the Guardian. Secret planning exercise in 2016. Modelled impact of MERS outbreak in the UK. Just want to uh, check that this is uh, recording okay. Yep, we're fine. Sometimes sometimes I press the wrong buttons. So the government ran an exercise modelling the impact of a coronavirus outbreak four years before the COVID-19 outbreak, but tried to keep it secret, the Guardian has learned. The previously unpublished exercise, ALICE, took place in 2016 involving officials from Public Health England and the Department of Health and Social Care and envisioned an outbreak of a Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, which is caused by coronavirus. It was one of 10 previously unpublished pandemic planning exercises in the five years before COVID-19, now disclosed under Freedom of Information legislation. PhE had previously declined to reveal details of the exercises, cited the need to safeguard national security. Hmm. Why would national security Well, I suppose, you know, if you think that it could have possibly leaked from a lab, I suppose. And that lab was from a from a country that then went on to buy up various institutions that Pennies on the dollar or pennies on the pound, I suppose. It's possible. National security, I suppose, would involve if you were looking to censor. I'm sure they were all in the best possible taste, as Kenny Everett would used to say. A leading virologist said Exercise Alice could have been completely relevant to the COVID response, which in the first weeks was shaped by flu pandemic plans. Separately, a senior government advisor on respiratory disease described it as odd, that details of the exercises had not been provided to key advisory committees. So that's weird, isn't it? If you're looking to prepare for something, usually you, you run your exercises and you go, right, here's what we found, and this is what I think we need to work on, and we'll pass this on to the advisory committee so we can get it done. Whereas they went, right, we're gonna plan for the, um, this outbreak in secret, and we're gonna keep the results uh, secret. Oh, and now our pandemic's here, we're gonna keep the SAGE panel secret as well. But nothing to see here, we love you really. So, um, interesting, isn't it? Last October, when the Health Secretary Matt Hancock published a report on Exercise Cygnus, a 2016 flu pandemic scenario, he told Parliament Exercise Cygnus was not designed to consider other potential pandemics or to identify what action could be taken to prevent widespread transmission. Musa. Kureshi, a hospital consultant who obtained the information, said MPs should ask the Health Secretary why he failed to disclose Parliament why he failed to disclose to Parliament that the government has modelled multiple other pandemics, including a coronavirus. Interesting, isn't it? Hancock faces cross-examinations by MPs on Thursday, who have already heard claims from the Prime Minister's former Chief Advisor Dominic Cummings that assurances he received that pandemic planning was up to date were completely hollow. Um, yeah, you know my view on that. Um, that's, that's a sham inquiry. Pro wrestling match. That's purely my opinion, which I cannot prove. As recently as March, PHE refused to name the exercises or say what they were about, but it released information when challenged in May by Qureshi. Other exercises include three on Ebola, four on pandemic influenza, two on Lassa, an acute viral hemorrhagic illness, three on bird flu, and one that dealt with a radiation incident nicknamed Exercise Cerberus. So, you know, you can say, oh, I think it's good that the government wants to plan and things. And I would agree with you. I think it's interesting that they want to keep it all secret. I mean I can understand a couple of little things. For you know, because you you know, it's your emergency response, you don't want terrorists to know your plan. I can get a couple of things. But the whole thing kept secret? But then there's this. This I cannot write off quite as easily. This is by abc.net. I believe this is uh, an Australia, uh, ABC is an Australian news network, I believe. Three months before the coronavirus outbreak, oh by the way, this is just when Bill Gates started funneling money to Tony Blair, like every month instead of every year. Um, Remember I said we'd come back to what Bill Gates was doing around that sort of time well three months before the coronavirus outbreak researchers simulated a global pandemic this is by Bridget Judd on the 31st of January 2020 so quite a way ago now it began in healthy looking pigs a new coronavirus spreading insidiously within herds farmers were the first of all victim succumbing to respiratory illnesses ranging from mild flu-like symptoms to severe pneumonia Flights were cancelled as the world's sharpest mind's search in vain for a vaccine. But it was too late. Within six months, the virus had spread around the globe. A year later, 65 million people were dead. Unlike the most recent coronavirus outbreak, however, you probably haven't heard of this pandemic. That's because it was all a simulation, developed some three months before Wuhan. China became the epicentre of the global crisis. A slow response can lead to a large outbreak. The event 201 scenario, let's click on that because that's highlighted in a a link, you can open up event 201 scenario. Let's open up that link, shall we? Uh, Center for health security, event 201. And you can see it all for yourself. The event 201 scenario. In fact, I'll read that from that page in a minute. Um, They are quick to note that the simulation was in no way a prediction of the events that would follow it, (coughs) just coincidence, nothing to see here. And uh, by the way, um, if you can get hold of a lot of the 201 Uh, footage because they'd run media outlets as well Uh, they did like um, fake news kind of uh, thing that i mean they they simulated everything including what news broadcasters were going to say and it's very interesting if you can find the the things for yourself event 201 videos go and watch what the the mock news readers were saying and um yeah very very interesting they are quick to note that the simulation was in no way a prediction, of course not, of the events that would follow it. And the inputs used for modelling and the potential impact of the fictional viruses are not similar to the current outbreak. No. However, according to Dr Eric Toner, who worked on the simulation, there are some parallels. Oh, really? Although event 201 was a, simulating a very different kind of epidemic, we can see that a slow response when a number of cases is very small can lead to an outbreak that is hard to contain, he told ABC. Now the disease is widespread in China. Anyway, this is from just as it was kicking off last year, so uh, they hadn't, didn't know how bad it was. But anyway, I just thought I wanted to bring that through with you now. Reading from the Event 201's own website here, or, or at least the Centre for Health Security, which I think is their own website. Uh, they do have Event 201 media. You can right-click on it. I don't know if that's the videos. I don't want to open it in case it um, starts playing. and I don't know how that would work on copyright and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you can see it for yourself. And... Um, yeah, very interesting. That was just around the time he started giving Tony Blair all that cash. Oh, sorry, his foundation transferred um, other grants to Tony Blair's foundation. I do apologise. Um, now, if there was nothing, move along, nothing to see here. I've got uh, a nice article here from the National Herald India. And um, I started looking through some of the more Indian news. And... Um, recently because they've got a very different uh, take to it than what I'll be told in the West. And um, I've always had a great respect for the Indians' uh, intelligence so, and uh, ability to work. Every Indian person I've ever met in my life, uh, put their work ethic puts me to shame. So why is Gates denying Event 201? In October 2019, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, who, together with his wife, runs the richest, most powerful foundation in the world, co-organized a simulation exercise on a worldwide corona epidemic yeah the ABC thing left that out who organized event 201 or Jim oh well one of the co-organizers Bill Gates oh his name pops up a lot doesn't it yes it does total coincidence though so um in October 2019 Microsoft founder Bill Gates who together with his wife runs uh let's just check the date on this article because um uh, this is uh, the 2nd of May of 2020, so this is before the divorce, who, t- who together with his now ex-wife, now we're reading this out in 2021, or now soon-to-be ex-wife, <laughs> where well, we're reading this on the 12th of June 2021, runs the richest and most powerful foundation in the world, co-organised a simulation exercise on a worldwide corona epidemic. Videos were posted documenting the exercise, but intriguingly, Gates now denies such an exercise ever took place. I mean, I've only just read it out from their own website, (laughs) but no, Bill Gates denies it ever took place now. Why? On April the 12th, 2020, Bill Gates said in an interview to the BBC, Now here we are. We didn't simulate this. We didn't practice. So both the health policies and economic policies, we find ourselves in uncharted territory. This is the same person who, just six months before the outbreak of the pandemic, organised a series of four role-playing simulations of a corona pandemic with a very high ranking participants. Event 201 was a simulation of a corona pandemic conducted by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum and the John Hopkins University in October 2019. Participants from the private and public sectors were presented with the scenario, not unlike the one that has unfolded in reality, and discussed what needed to be done. There are official videos of the four meetings, and a best-of-video scenario presentation and discussion by the participants, who are members of a pandemic control council in the role-play. It is true that if a little less emphasis had been placed on opinion manipulation, more attention could have been paid to health and economic policy. (laughs) This was written... When was this dated? Did I read it out? May 2020. Well, yeah, and then a year later, they're all having to flip-flop, aren't they? See the opening articles of this show. That's why I wanted to tie all these articles together in one place. So there you go. You can go and look at the Event 201 website for yourself. You can see the videos for yourself. But it doesn't matter because Bill Gates just waves a magic wand and says it doesn't exist. Even though it's on his website. And around the same time, that was when he really started funneling to Tony Blair's institute. Monthly rather than yearly. All just coincidence. Nothing to see here, friends. So... Let's see what those trusted fact checkers had to uh, say about this whole thing. This is factcheck.org debunking false stories posted on January the 29th 2020. Quick take a conspiracy theory website distorted the facts about an emergency preparedness exercise to suggest that Gates Foundation and others predicted up to 65 million deaths from the coronavirus now spreading the event dealt with a hypothetical scenario involving a fictional virus. Um, so full story, we've explained that the outbreak of a respiratory disease that began in Wuhan, China is from a new coronavirus and that the term coronavirus refers to a group of viruses, not one unique strain. The virus now spreading is being referred to as the 2019 novel coronavirus or 2019 NCOV. But online headlines shared on social media have capitalised on the generic term coronavirus to falsely suggest that the organisations in the public health space made predictions about the new virus even before the outbreak began in December. Amid the news about the new virus, the conspiracy theory website Infowars ran a January 24th headline since picked up elsewhere that claimed Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and others predicted a 65, up to 65 million deaths via coronavirus In simulation ran three months ago. You see, that headline's accurate. If it said deaths via this coronavirus, then it's inaccurate. But I don't see anything wrong with that headline. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and others predicted up to 65 million deaths via coronavirus. In simulation ran three months ago. There's nothing wrong with that headline. If they said via COVID-19 instead of coronavirus, then yeah, problem with it. But they're not. They've actually just said that, and I'll say it to you again, the virus now spreading is referred to as novel coronavirus or 2019 NCOV. No, he hasn't used that. He's used the term coronavirus. And that's exactly what they were looking into. So I love how the fact checkers have gone, well, What he said is exactly correct, and this is why it's correct, but we still don't like it. (laughs) So there you go. Debunking full story, quick take, full story. Let's scroll down. Is there like, um, uh, how they usually have their little thing. So, maybe I've done them an injustice, but maybe they are saying, yeah, he's absolutely bang on, but it doesn't look like it, does it? but anyway there you go you see if see it for yourself um <laughs> I love that yes he's exactly right and we're going to debunk him now <laughs> all right then so the next one and by, by the way you know alex jones says uh, I, I do listen to infowars i agree with a lot of what he says i do skip forward when he goes on his mad rants because there's no point when he starts screaming and shouting like a child i don't want to listen to that and certainly when he's angry, you can take things that he says out of context. But in that particular case, I think that headline is accurate. He said coronavirus. And they did simulate the coronavirus. He didn't say COVID-19. He didn't say this coronavirus. He didn't say the coronavirus currently spreading. That's an accurate headline. So, I'll, def- you know, I'll defend Alex Jones on that one. Chinese military. Oh, here's another thing. <laughs> if this hasn't all of this is making you, hmm, this is a bit weird, <laughs> check this one out. So this is uh, the Daily Mail and this is the 7th of June. Chinese military scientist filed a patent for COVID-19 vaccine before the virus was declared a global pandemic and worked closely with Batwoman at Wuhan Institute. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Nothing to see here, move along. Scientist Sen Zhao reportedly filed a patent for COVID-19 vaccine on behalf of the Chinese People's Liberation Army on February the 24th, 2020. Oh, I'm sure the Chinese people feel very liberated when they were having their... uh, I'm sure those people that want to protest what's happening in Hong Kong feel so liberated by the army there. China had only declared human transmission of the virus five weeks prior. News that Zhu filed a patent for a vaccine so quickly suggests Chinese officials may have known about the virus much earlier than they admitted. No! I don't believe it. They've always been so honest. Zhu is also said that I'm, of course, referring to the Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people. Uh, the Chinese people I've always met have been incredibly honest, hard-working, decent human beings. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party that rules over them, never met them, never wanted. Um, I, saw an, uh, I saw enough in Tiananmen Square to make me not want to do that and I've seen nothing to say that they've changed their names with the way they treat the Uyghurs the, and the um, their political dissidents. So, Zhu is also said to have worked closely with the di- deputy director of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Some scientists have theorised that the virus was created inside that lab before it inadvertently leaked out. <coughs> Some scientists say it wasn't inadvertently leaked. But, there you go. Zhu died in mysterious circumstances in May 2020, less than three months after filing the patent. Oh, what the odds? What was it? Just like the guy that died of coronavirus—that that guy in his thirties, that doctor, fit and healthy—that we now know the coronavirus has a very high survival rate. Uh, that that guy that that died, that that told the world that China was covering it up, and that there was a, something to be concerned about. That bloke. I'm sure that just a coincidence. Nothing to see here. Move along. All of this stuff. When people tell you. When, this episode that's why i've called it things that make you go home when you put all of these pieces of the puzzle together and tell you go oh shut up conspiracy theory they're effectively saying there's nothing to see here and all i can think of is i think it's one of the naked gun films where you've got leslie Nielsen in front of the fireworks factory giving the most fantastic displays and he goes, nothing to see here move along this is exactly what i think of Yu Zhen Zhu, who worked for the People's Liberation Army, lodged their paperwork on behalf of the Chinese political party on February 24, 2020, according to the Australian newspaper. The date was just five weeks after China confirmed human transmission of the coronavirus. Zhu is also said to have worked closely with scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, including Sheng Jingli, the deputy director of the lab, who is famous for her research on coronavirus in bats. Their relationship is likely to strengthen speculation that the virus leaked from the lab and China was aware it was spreading between humans long before they alerted the international community. Zhu mysteriously died less than three months after he filed the patent. The New York Post claims his death was only reported in one Chinese media report, despite the fact that he was one of the country's most prominent scientists. Zhu had previously worked on research linked to the US institutions, including the University of Minnesota and the New York Blood Centre, the newspaper reported. Uh, And again, this is from the New York Post. US-linked Chinese military scientist filed patent for COVID vaccine just after contagion emerged report. So that's the same thing being uh, reported by the New York Post. And it's more or less the, the same sort of thing. But I like to show you that there are different sources covering different things. Going back to what I was saying earlier about Facebook censoring doctors who said hydroxychloroquine could have uh, saved lives, and we know what the survival rate on the ventilators is. Isn't it something like an 80% death rate once they're on the ventilators? So um, bearing that in mind, this article is dated 10th of June 2021, so only a couple of days old, and it's from the Daily Mail. Was Trump right about hydroxychloroquine all along? New study shows drug touted by former president can increase COVID survival rates by 200%. Uh, compared with the ventilator rate of uh, 80% death rate, I do believe. I'm going from memory there, but do look things up for yourself. And I always encourage my listeners to always look things up for yourself. Check what I say. Because I'm only human, and I don't script this. So even if I actually know something to be accurate, it's possible my mouth may make a slip up, and I may say the wrong thing. Even though my brain knows the right thing, my mouth may say the wrong thing and i never listen to my work so i never know when to correct myself so always check do your own research think for yourself make up your own mind um otherwise i'm just going to be replacing the mainstream media and i don't don't think that's what my listeners are like but listeners look they look for themselves they research themselves they think up their own minds and that's why we have such a good listeners corner which i'll be getting to shortly so a study on 255 patients was done by St Barnabas Medical Centre in New Jersey. The resulting report out May 31st found hydroxychloroquine to be effective. Now that report out May 31st, there were numerous doctors that gave speeches outside what was it the Supreme Court, was it? Um, there were loads of doctors um, that said hydroxychloroquine is effective, and Facebook definitely censored them. Ah, ah. Potential lawsuits, maybe? I do hope so. The drug, when used in a high dose and with zinc, increased survival rates. Uh, the authors found it was only helpful in severe cases of COVID 19. Patients given the drug as part of the trial were on ventilators. Trump's allies have seized on the report to declare that he was correct. As President Trump touted hydroxychloroquine as a preventative treatment, he even took it himself despite doctors then warning it could be dangerous, a growing number of studies are now suggesting the drug could be useful. By that, that usually means they can't keep the truth suppressed forever. That's how a growing number of studies now suggest the drug could be useful. I read that as the censors are failing because the truth is getting through. So the question then becomes, who are the censors and why are they censoring? A malaria drug which Donald Trump was condemned for hailing as a possible COVID-19 treatment can increase survival rates by up to 200%, scientists say. Another question would be is how much of the NHS have this have ordered? Are we still giving them the 80% death rate ventilators? I honestly don't have an answer. I do not know. So you can read the rest of the article for yourself. Um, And it was published on May 31st on a medical site, MedRXIV. Moving on, Miami Herald. Do you remember I said a few podcasts ago that it was going to take a variety of um, times, depending on who runs things and political cycles and corporate boards and all that kind of stuff, for people to go, um, well, we're going to do all the vaccine passport stuff. And then suddenly you realise that it's usually the... <sighs> I've noticed this is purely anecdotal experience. I've noticed that the people who have the most money tend to either be self, taking out the big corporations and government contracts, taking out the the sucking of the corporate government teat, and that side. When it comes to actually people who aren't sucking on that teat, people who sort of either work for corporations or uh, or small businesses and that kind of stuff I have noticed that people tend who tend to be self-employed tend to be having more money than people who work on minimum wage and I have noticed that self-employed people do tend to question things for themselves more often than the non-self employed I've noted this is purely anecdotal, my experience and in my opinion subjective opinion and also creative types, uh, although that isn't necessarily true for the comedy circuit by any means. Um, but artists, musicians, that kind of um, stuff. And I know that there's a couple of musicians that listen to this show that have uh, followed my Beyond the News page. Uh, Lee has, Lee, Lee has uh, provided some sources in the past. I do hope you're listening, Lee. Um, and a shout out to other listeners that have commented on the past as well. So where am I going with this? The people that most think for themselves and do their own research, I have found they are more they are less likely to be vaccinated with this COVID-19 jab. I haven't found that correlation necessarily with all vaccines, but with the new experimental mRNA gene therapy, I have noticed that the people least likely to take it are the ones that think for themselves and I've noticed the ones that think for themselves tend to be creative self-employed types I've noticed that not necessarily creative but self-employed types do tend to have a bit more money so I think it was only going to be a matter of time before and I think it will happen in Britain as well um, before these you know you're going to get comedy clubs opening up theaters opening up we're only going to let in vaccinated people Well, that's going to work fine at the macro level of concerts like the Foo Fighters and Bruce Springsteen have announced that kind of stuff, because you're never going to get any problem selling those people, you know. But the ones going to the small businesses, the small theatres, the independent productions, the local musicians, all that kind of stuff, not so much. And I think they're going to, I think those businesses, if they try to employ at the local level what they're doing at the national level with the when I say national level I'm talking about the Foo Fighters and all that kind of stuff national tours that's how I'm defining national I don't think it's going to work out well for them and I think they're going to find themselves going oh why is no one at our venues now well you won't let us in mate and at that point they have a decision to make do they stand up for themselves and their businesses big I'm assuming that government isn't going to make this mandatory but if it does do they stand up to the government I doubt it but if it's in their own remits to decide then I think you're going to see reverses of policy within a couple of years just like this one 4th of June by Taylor Dolvin Miami Herald Royal Caribbean reverses won't require passengers on US cruises to be vaccinated. Now why would they reverse that, eh? Royal Caribbean International will no longer require any of its cruise passengers to be vaccinated for COVID-19, as it had previously planned to. Oh, what are the odds? In a press release Friday announcing cruises for sale on eight of its ships from US ports this summer, starting with Freedom of the Seas from Port Miami on July 2nd, the company said it will recommend passengers get the COVID-19 vaccine but not require it. The announcement is a reversal from previous statements and vaccine protocols the company submitted to the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention last month that said it would require all passengers, at least 18 years old, to be vaccinated. Guests are strongly recommended to set sail fully vaccinated if they are eligible, the company said in a statement. Those who are unvaccinated or unable to verify vaccination will be required to undergo testing and follow other protocols, which will be announced at a later date. Now, my betting is that those protocols, after a year, will be reversed. Miami, of course. Um, uh, I don't think it's any surprise that these people are coming out of the Caribbean because there's a video here. Um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who I really like, uh, announced Thursday, April 8th, he is suing the CDC in an effort to get cruises restarted immediately. Legal experts call it a political stunt. No, I call it standing up for freedom because he said, we're opening up fully, no masks no vaccine passports and I think he signed into law that it will be illegal to, to bring in vaccine passports. So I really like DeSantis because he is giving us what science needs, a control experiment. A control experiment to see just how much lockdown benefits us. And looking at Florida, it don't. The lockdown is the cure that's worse than the virus, in my opinion, by the time you take it into all the account, the NHS shortages, cancer backlogs, suicide rates, depression, economic poverty as a result of small businesses being shut down and go on and on and on and on and on. Now here's another one. I want to just preface this by saying I don't like Piers Morgan. Uh, I've never met the man. Um, Never want to. Don't like what a lot of what he says. Um, Don't like his past. I, I just don't like him. But anyway, it doesn't matter whether I like someone or not because I read the news as it is. And this is also, um, has wider implications for again what I cover on this show the fall of the mainstream media. How low can they go? Good Morning Britain's ratings plummet to a low of 450,000 viewers, a quarter of the peak of 1.9 million before Piers Morgan's departure. The video I went viral on for RT got more viewers than that. <laughs> viewership for the itv breakfast show has been in steady decline since piers morgan quit back in march a peak of 1.9 million viewers watching the panel react to Meghan and harry oprah interview on march the 8th the following day march 9th an average of 1.2 million viewers saw piers storm off gmb after clashing with alex beresford uh, following news that piers had quit the first show following his exit on march the 10th saw ratings quickly take a hit since then ratings have continued to drop with just four hundred and fifty thousand viewers watching on Tuesday, the June the first. Um, this all comes in the backdrop that they are, of course, launching. I don't know what it's called, but they're launching another TV channel, aren't they? Um, I, I, honestly, I don't follow mainstream television. Follow mainstream um, news from like newspapers and online and stuff. Yes, absolutely. That's why I get the source of the show. But television, I'm, uh, it makes me feel ill. They're patronising adverts, the total nonsense that they spout. Um, the total fakeness of every person that seems to be on there just isn't for me uh, on those news sort of shows. The smug grins and smiles. No, no, thank you. Um, but I can't remember what it's called, but they're doing a new one. Um, they got Andrew O'Neill on board, I think, and all stuff like that. And they're, they're going against like woke uh, agenda, which I'm all for. But I'll give you my opinion on what that is. The mainstream media is hemorrhaging people so much, all over. I, I imagine the BBC breakfast shows are down as well. Um, I don't know if they're down as much as their question time, which went from 9 million to 0.7. And then the BBC, I think, well, no, it's not 0.7, it's more like 1.3. And they seemed happy with that, down from 9 million in 10 years. Uh, and that is from '09 2009 to 2019, so we're not talking um, a new... In Nothing major new. Netflix, you know, maybe, but we still had many, many satellite channels and all that kind of stuff around. So Netflix can't be arranged for all of it. So um, my take is that pe- the mainstream media is hemorrhaging people for two reasons mainly. One, it's a very, very um, edited version of the truth, if at all the truth. And people can quite easily go online and see, "Mm, hmm, the way the television seems to be reporting that doesn't seem to be what I saw. And people in real life that were the events and all that kind of stuff. I mean, a good example of that will be the way they recorded the march on uh, the end of May, the anti-lockdown march. They refer to it as hundreds, where it was more like, you know, over a million. Um, They don't report on the fact that people are slamming the BBC for fake news. And of course... um, you know, covering up for Jimmy Savile for the BBC didn't really help either. Um, and when I say covering up, do uh, look at Johnny Rotten's interviews with uh, someone in, I think it was 78, and ironically enough, another interview he later did with Piers Morgan. So, I don't like Piers Morgan, but yeah, I said they, uh, he's, a, in my opinion, he's a broken clock that's white right twice a day. He does have some points I agree with from time to time. But I wouldn't want to go for a drink with the man. No, I have No doubt he wouldn't want to have a drink with me. So that works out nicely, doesn't it? But um, I think the mainstream media is falling for two reasons. One, a total and utter disparity with the truth. And you can go in many examples of this. Weapons of mass destruction, 45 minutes. Bank bailout of 08 with no alternative. There was a nice land alternative. Um, the way that they haven't brought on any dissenting opinions that. Uh, scientists about what the hydro did you see hydroxychloroquine all over the mainstream news i mean they i saw them taking a mickey out of trump i didn't say i'm reading out all the studies or showing those doctors from the supreme court um the way they covered roger hayes my friend roger hayes's event 10 years ago in the wirral these people are not accurate um and they're not giving you the full story and I think the British people, what well, the world, the, all we saw, we covered CNN's ratings drop massively like a stone, haven't we? The world in general is beginning not to trust the mainstream media. There is also a second reason why people switch, colors, and that's the woke agenda. So um, I don't need to explain that; you know what it is. Um, and I think that the new television channel is an example to go right. We're losing people left, right, and centre if people are leaving us on the woke agenda we don't want them going over to the alternative media sources so let's keep them in the media frame we obviously so that's what they're doing if you still believe us but don't like the woke agenda this is the new tv channel for you stay with us yes 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 that new channel will slag off the all the woke agenda and anything like that but they will still be just as editing with the truth as the others. They're just not going to shove that woke agenda down your throat because they know you're just switching off. I mean, you can see it with the uh, Hollywood and the, the ratings and all that kind of stuff. We've covered that before. Hollywood, all the woke agenda there, lowest ratings ever. So this new uh, channel for news is going to be just as unreliable for news, but it won't have the woke agenda on there. It's you know, So it's catering for those. We're losing people for two reasons. One, we're not telling the truth as we should. And to anyone who disagrees with me, if the mainstream media was telling the truth, then why does WikiLeaks exist? Because WikiLeaks wouldn't exist if the mainstream media was covering what Assange covered. There would be no WikiLeaks. So end of debate on that. The media is not covering everything. They're those people, they're going to lose. They can't stop that. But they can keep in the in the media fold the anti-woke people and that's what that new television is all about. It will be just as uh, requiring of Assange's WikiLeaks as the others, but you won't have the woke agenda. So let's now go, friends, to articles from Listener's Corner and wrap up tonight's show. So from Listener's Corner here tonight, let's start with Changes to permit, this is from the government's own website, gov.uk. Changes to permitted development rights for electronic communications infrastructure. Technical consultation. Um, The consultation closes at 11.45pm on the 14th of June. Consultation description. The consultation seeks views on proposed planning reforms that will allow the deployment of telecoms equipment to be quicker whilst ensuring that there are appropriate environment protections and safeguards in place. Proposals we are consulting on include enabling the deployment of radio equipment housing up to specified limits and allowing greater flexibility for installing equipment cabinets and existing compounds to support 5G deployment. Um, I won't read it all to you, it doesn't say it here, but um, the person that sent me this was concerned that they may be able to put these things up on private property without the consent and I don't know. This is listeners corner, I just read out what listeners have sent so that's what he sent me i haven't read this um so go and read it for yourselves and yeah tell me if um the listener has misconstrued anything because i've had a little look through i can't seem to see anything on that but i'm just reading the the beginning bit perhaps it's in the print somewhere or perhaps my listener is wrong i do not know but I'm, he sent it to me too so i read it out because i think it's interesting that kind of stuff Grim Milestone, this is from the Telegraph, Grim Milestone with record five million people now waiting for NHS hospital treatment. Um, There's a headline on this uh, but it's the Telegraph so I can't read it that well. Um, Yeah five million people now waiting for NHS hospital treatment. Uh, Almost 400,000 patients have waited at least a year to start receiving help while thousands have been on the list for more than two years. That's by Laura Donnelly, 10th of June, that's the Telegraph. And our final story here tonight, this is from The Sun. Halogen and fluorescent light bulbs to be banned, and it could cost £100 per household to replace them. Energy-draining halogen and fluorescent light bulbs are to be banned from sale. It means households will have to use LED light bulbs. The energy-friendly bulbs last several years longer than halogen or fluorescent ones and use 80% less power, which makes them cheaper to run but despite costs coming down in recent years they are typically more expensive to buy today the government is announcing that halogen bulbs will be pulled from shelves on september the first um yeah what concerns me is like you know the government saying you, you know they're not going to come into your house how we should be able to have whatever the light we like in our own bloody houses that's what i'm trying to say and uh, if we're going to pay the extra cost, then we should be able to pay the extra cost. And um, all that sort of climate change stuff. Well, go and look what China's doing. Uh, it just, you know, it annoy. So I'll be stocking up on these. And the second thing I have to say on that are I don't like using mercury light bulbs. And people can do their own research. Why? I won't have them in my house. Um, so... As long as uh, I'm going to be stocking up and I won't be using those mercury bulbs. You know the ones I'm talking about, where if you spill them, you technically need to call someone to have it cleared up. <laughs> go read that up for yourself. If you don't believe me, go and do your own research on that one. I won't go too much down that rabbit hole there. I just wanted to make you aware that if you're, partic- if you're a listener to this show and you're particularly a fan of halogen and fluorescent light bulbs, stock up before September the 1st. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond the News. Cheers.